0: Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Today's reading is from Isaiah 60, book 60, verses 1 to 9. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness. Together they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The, la, the young camels of Median and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall claim the praise of the Lord. All the flake of Kedah shall be gathered to you The rams of Nebeloth shall minister to you. They shall be acceptable on my altar and I will glorify my glorious house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall wait for me, the ships of Tarshish first to bring your children from far away, their silver and their gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you.
2: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This second reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard that the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Swedenborg, True Christianity. The word has a spiritual meaning that is present within its earthly meaning much the way our soul is present in us. The thoughts of our intellect are present in what we say, and the feelings of our will are present in what what we do. The star that went before them means knowledge from heaven. Gold meant the heavenly goodness, frankincense the spiritual goodness, and myrrh the earthly goodness, to together form the source of all worship.
0: How many of you, just wondering, had 11 pipers piping yesterday? (laughs) Any plans for anyone? Friday, 10 lords leaping? Today, at some point, hopefully, and we should actually talk to the music department and the music committee about this, why don't we have 12 drummers drumming? Most people oftentimes forget that the season of Christmas, what we call Christmas, is actually 12 days long. Today officially ends Christmas. After today, you can no longer say Merry Christmas without looking a little silly, though most people, I'm guessing, dropped Merry Christmas after the 25th. In our culture, we shifted a lot of preparing for Christmas in the beginning of December or after Thanksgiving, right? That's the appropriate time to start being Christmassy. And we can push it through all the way to Christmas Day. You get a couple of days after Christmas while you're returning gifts or doing something like that, and then then Christmas is over. Well, officially today is the day that Christmas is over. The, The trees are supposed to come down. Each one of these 12 days of Christmas, we celebrate something different today we celebrate an epiphany, the wise men coming from afar, bringing gifts to the Lord in his crib. This is one of my favorite stories, and I'll talk about it all the time. It's probably one of my favorite stories. Because the wise men broke the rules a little bit. Now, the wise men, we could... Well, maybe we could like compare them to a secretary of state, right? Religious leaders at this day and age were political figures. They did, and anybody who thinks that politics is arbitrary and whatnot, politics is centuries and centuries old. When you go to a foreign country, what you do is you go and you talk to the senior leaders of the government to say, hi, I'm in your country. This has been going on for thousands of years. Anybody know that Trump got into some trouble with this recently, right? He, he showed up in a country without talking to the leaders first, right? He got in some trouble for it. That tradition isn't just something that people arbitrarily did, right? This decision to visit those leaders and to say, hey, the leader of a foreign country, it's even in the Bible. Leaders of foreign countries visit the other leaders before they come in. And, and that leader welcomed him. And when he welcomed them, they get kind of a special diplomatic status. And he said, I love that you're here. I love what you're doing. Go find this promised boy, who, by the way, Herod knew about, and tell me where he is. Because, boy, I would like, I would like to meet the kid, too. Right? That's what he told him. Their act of not returning to Herod when they went home a different way could have actually been enough in that day and age to start a war. We sometimes lose sight of the political realities that exist in scripture because we're so used to the happy. For us, oh my gosh, look, Jesus gets little gifts. People from a different country realize Jesus was nifty and brought him little gifts. That's what we think, isn't it? we lose sight that this was actually a situation that could have brought about a war. This is incredible. This is a situation where people came in and decided to break established protocol, proper diplomacy, and they, they shifted what they did. These people followed a star all the way here, and when that star stopped, they looked at the future king. So the star told them, this is the king that is going to transform the world that they knew. They got there, and they found a baby in rags in a place surrounded by animals and servants. And that scene was enough them to risk war. I don't know about you, but I, I, I rarely probably would make that decision. right? I, I, I would probably say, oh my gosh, I, I need to go back. I need to follow the rules. These guys didn't. Something happened. Now Herod had his own forecasters, his own people looking at stars. His, own, his people couldn't follow that star, but these people came, they followed the star until it stopped. Now I'm assuming, like most people when we read the story, we, we understand the metaphor of a, of a guiding star, right? Something that teaches us to go in a certain... We get navigation, right? We have principles that help us live. I think everybody understands that kind of concept. The, the ideas of these stars leading us in a certain direction throughout human history has been a metaphor for the things that we understand teaching us how to live. We have guiding truths. Each one of us has different guiding truths. The question's coming, by the way. What is your guiding truth? Just to let you know. That question is coming. Herod had his guiding truths. His guiding truths were about political stability, making the Roman government happy, and keeping the people happy in order to maintain his leadership. Those shepherd, the shepherds left their flocks or brought their flocks. There's some argument about that. They, they took this journey risking their entire livelihoods to get there. Their guiding star typically is protect the flock, but they moved their flocks out of their normal safe spots and and brought them distant lands to places where they would never normally do it. The wise men risked war to come and go home a different way. This is an incredible star that was guiding people. So the star stopped over the baby, this guiding principle, the thing that was moving people along stopped and people saw something amazing a king who in no way shape or form looked like a king so what is your guiding star i heard recently for some in political power the guiding star is always the dow jones industrial average (laughs) right if if the dow jones is doing well that means you're doing a good job if you're somebody on Wall Street, what, uh, what tells you you're doing a good job is your quarterly profit report, right? When, they, when those get released, if it's up, that means it doesn't matter how many people you lay off, you fire, but if that number's up, it means you're doing a good job. You get bonuses based on whether or not you're doing that job well. For some, their guiding star is the environment. I think of the... Uh, the people who are willing to chain themselves to trees i i don't know if harvard divinity school right now has a big fight over a 120 140 year old red oak tree they want to tear down to make their building more environmentally sound <laughs> kind of an interesting thing there isn't it interesting new meeting hall environmentally sound transform the infrastructure of the building but in order to do that we have to kill an old old red oak. And so one student is making a lot of headaches for them because their guiding star is their hat. Why is the facade of the front of the building more protected than the tree? And if anybody's ever been to Andover Hall, it's a beautiful, beautiful building. Gothic on the front and all of the stuff that they want to do to add on to it, they want to add on to the back so they don't disturb the front of the building. But this one student doesn't understand why the front of the building is more protected than the tree. Her guiding star is environmentalism. There was a period of times when it was whales. There are some who are upset about the acidification the rising temperature of the waters, Some are upset about drought. We all have things that motivate us. Some actually like justice and equal rights. Actually, there's an interesting, um, I had a a faculty member recently at Boston University tell me the story of sitting there listening to the Boston University Theological School stand behind all of these, ethical and moral issues, and then he turned around and asked them, why do female faculty make less than male faculty across the board at BU? And that one little comment, while BU was supposedly responding to the atrocities of the world, shifted the entire way that department handled pay. Because he saw a guiding principle about justice that in the fight for justice, they were not even being just to themselves. It was a moment where BU, a school that likes to think of itself as a champion of justice, looked and said, wow, we're not really doing that good a job on our backyard. So here's my question for you. What is your guiding star? What is it that you are following. For some it's comfort, it's success, for others for others it's things that always put them in personal risk. Now here's where I'm going to throw you a little curveball. You see BU, I think in my opinion, had an incredible guiding star. They fought for all sorts of rights. They were doing a great job, but all the while they were failing to understand their own internal problems. And one person came along and raised a question that rocked their core identity. So here's my question. If you have a guiding star, if it's the church, if it's the laws, if it's whatever it is, what are you doing to see the unexpected goodness in front of you that should be transforming where you are going. I'm going to use the wise men for this example, because that might be a little bit confusing. The wise men stopped. They checked in with the local leader. They went to find the king. They looked at this little tiny baby and said, oh my gosh, we have to break political policy. Because they recognized that that baby was the one who they should give the gifts to. And that telling anybody would cause horrible problems, and so they left a different way. These wise men came with one understanding of what the star was, and when they found the Lord, that star became a different meaning. Does that make sense? If they thought that the Lord was in danger all along, they could have snuck in. Right? They could have quietly followed the star and said, We're gonna do this trip under the radar, kind of like Trump going to the bases out there, right? They could have just gone on under the radar and had a simple plane lover realize that Air Force One was flying over their house and blow their secret. But they didn't do that. They were following the political rules. They were following the political ideas of their day. They saw something that shocked their world. Believe it or not, they had an epiphany, which is why today is called epiphany. I would argue that we all have A guiding star. And our guiding star, we can get fixated on it, right? We can can think we are right. At what point and in what way does our understanding get challenged or changed? And how do we welcome that? The Lord's ministry on this earth is kind of a, a funny one. The, the prophets talk about a military re- leader who was going to free the Jewish people, who was going to reestablish the kingdom and create an Israel that was really the crown of all kingdoms on earth. It's not quite what they got, is it? The Lord's ministry was more about transforming the idea of what it meant to live from saying, I need worldly power to I need spiritual power. I need to know that I am doing what I have been called to do, not I am getting all of the stuff that I'm expecting to get. And sometimes this means you break the rules. What do you do to be open to unexpected truths? What do you do to open your thoughts to thinking that maybe what you're looking for isn't what you want to find. That maybe you are thinking you are going to find a glorious king, but instead you find a baby innocent at risk in a manger. I would offer that looking for ways for you to give to the Lord, for you to give to your spiritual life, and for you to give things of earthly goodness is the method. The wise men's gifts were not just simply, hey, we're trying to buy favor. The wise men's gifts had a deeper symbolism, a symbolism that were about people giving of themselves toward the goodness they see in the world, toward the goodness they see in the other, and toward the goodness they see in God. It is key if we want to grow spiritually to look for those three levels in goodness that are around us. If we do that, the star that we follow will stop, and we will start to be led by a star that is internal in our hearts. We will start to be led by the Lord if we start, instead of looking for all the problems in the world, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying ignore the problems. I'm saying if we start looking for the good, if we start fostering the good rather than focusing on the bad. We will go home, not past Herod, and destroy the good that's trying to grow. We will go home a different way. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.